This is a conversation with uh, Jay Prince, the uh, Houston record label executive, founder of the legendary Rapala Records. Um, this is conversation is a little bit different than the other ones because this is this is actually recorded in 2018. This is October 17th, 2018. Um, yeah, so around that time, October 2018, I started a podcast uh, that I barely, you know, just didn't really commit to. Recorded just a handful of episodes, never really put it out or promoted it or anything like that. Um, just didn't, yeah, didn't really go, go too hard with it. Um, you'll even notice the audio is just not, not, not as good. Um, but yeah, so Jay Prince, I kind of want to give a little bit of background to, you know, how did I even end up sitting in a car that was running in the backseat with Jay Prince having this, having this conversation. So I grew up in Houston, but I grew up in A-Leaf, which is on the Southwest side of Houston and Jay Prince, you know, even though obviously he's known all around Houston, um, he's more so known. He's from Fifth Ward, which is closer to downtown, uh, closer in the city, um, than than uh, A Leaf is. And so, like, I didn't know about him like that growing up. I mean, I, I think my barber would probably might have told a couple, you know, a handful of stories, but nothing like that. Like, my barber was always telling stories about more like, uh, you know, DJ Screw and ESG and, and the South Side and Swisher House and you know, the, 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 like those kind of stories. Um. Well, I guess switch the house to the north side, but it was just a screwed up click. That was my barber, you know, shout out to uh, legendary A-Leaf legend. Um, so I, I, I became more so aware of, of uh, Jay Prince in like 2015 and onward. So around 2014, 2015, I was really into these artists called the Sauce Twins. So not as you know about uh, Sauce Walker, but he, he was in this group called the Sauce Twins with this guy, Sancho Saucy, who, I, you know, I love Sauce Walker, a great rapper. I at that time, I felt like Sancho was the better rapper. Like, anyway, that's a whole other conversation. But shout out to Oswaka, shout out Sancho. Um, so they were part of this group called the Sauce Twins, and I heard about them because you know I, I know I know Maxo Cream. I'm a big big fan of Maxo, and uh, there was a song on this like compilation album. Um, the song was called "Don't Do That," and it had this artist uh, Beat King, and it was uh, Beat King, Maxo Cream, Mo Gang, uh, Sauce Twins, and Double H Town. And I heard the Sauce Twins. I was like, yo, this is just fire. I hadn't really heard anything like it. And so, yeah, I got into the Sauce Twins and just downloaded their mixtapes. And they were being managed by Jazz Prince around that time. And so in um, sometime in 2015, uh, Steve Francis, you know, Houston legend, um, got his chain snatched um, at a concert, at a Sauce Twins concert, the Sauce Twins concert. Uh, the concert, I think, was at Warehouse Live. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the chain snatching, I want to say, was... It seems like it was early March 2015. So this is March 2015. And so Steve Francis gets, gets his chain snatched at a Sauce Twins concert. And Jay Prince is like, yo, Steve Francis is a friend of mine. And that chain is in Jay Prince's, house, Prince's hands so fast. And, you know, like, especially nowadays, I think, with... Like, maybe if you... In the streets in the 60s or 70s or the 80s, you think about people living by some sort of code... But I think, you know, in 2015, the streets probably more ruthless, maybe. Um, and so just to see that Jay Prince commanded that kind of, whether you want to call it respect or fear, but that, you know, he said, this person is a friend of mine. And that chain came right back in his hands. Because a lot of the times nowadays, you know, people get their chain snatched and they might buy it back on the low and things like that. But Jay Prince was just like, yeah, this, this dude's a friend of mine. And that chain came right back. And so that was really intriguing. Uh, just to see to see that, and then 2016, I read this book, and it's funny because I'm not a huge, uh, you know, I, I read a lot of books in my childhood, you know, Judy Bloom, Harry Potter, uh, you know, J.K. Rowling, all that, uh, Louis Satch, Louis or Louis, I don't know, I guess Louis Satcher, uh, Sideways Stories from uh, Wayside High, all that stuff. 
but you know, from high school and college onward, I was not really a big voracious reader of books. And but Julia Beverly, um, shout out her by the way. She is the um, she is this white woman who founded Ozone Magazine, um, and you know the Ozone Awards and all this. It's like if you don't know about that, it's a legendary Southern hip hop magazine. And it's kind of funny because people talk about you know it's, this is a whole deeper conversation where people talk about cultural appropriation and things like that. You have people in, in hip hop who aren't. Uh, who aren't black, you know, and as you said, kind of a black art form, you have like DJ Vlad and Adam 22 and then you know, a lot of executives and stuff with all the stuff that Kanye has said and things. But, you know, Julie is somebody who that, you know, she's white and she has done a ton, a ton for the culture. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, and also, I mean, this is a whole other conversation, but the whole cultural appropriation thing, like one of the reasons rappers have been able to make so much money is because their fans have been white. So you don't really want to gatekeep certain things like you, you know, certain things, the more consumers kind of the better. I mean, you don't want to get watered down, but anyway, that's a whole other conversation. So anyway, Julia Beverly wrote this book called Pimp's uh, sweet Jones, Pimp C's trail life story. And it's just this amazing book, well-researched, a lot of cool documents. And it's about Pimp C in his life, but she gets into Jay Prince a lot. And it was the first time I'd read some of these details about Jay Prince, about his life in the streets, about, you know, who he was. And, you know, I think it has some of these sort of urban, le- and, you know, you want to make urban legends, you know, real, you know, fake, whatever, but like stories about how, uh, you know, maybe like the one about how allegedly, I don't want to get sued, allegedly Master P, I guess all those statute limitations would be up, but, um, you know, allegedly Master P and some people kidnap him, see pistol with them, tied him up and all this stuff. And then they called allegedly Jay Prince to, to get permission to kill him. And Jay Prince was like, no, almost like a Steve Francis situation all over again, where it was like, no, the, you know, Steve Francis was like, no, this person's a friend of mine. With him, see, I think it was more like, you know, I'm doing business with this person, so don't kill them. And just, you know, the idea that, you know, because it, it evokes kind of like these old mob mafia bosses where it's like, I have to get permission to to do this deed. And also, you know, just, just the, you know, I respect the person enough to ask them permission or fear them enough to ask them permission. So just, you know, reading all these stories and that book was so, I don't know what I was going through. <laughs> that book was so um, just moving to me that I, you know, I, I, I bought this stupid G-Wagon when I moved to LA and I put, I wanted to put RIP Pimp C on the license plates because I, I love that book so much. And, you know, if you live in California, I don't know about other states, if you live in California, you know, that you only have seven, uh, I believe seven characters, R-I-P-P-I-M-P-C. You only have seven characters on your license, on your license plate maximum. And uh, obviously that's eight characters, but I was going to make the P and R-I-P in the first P and Pimp the same P. So I, I solved that problem. Um, but then I got a letter back from the state saying, hey, you know, you can't put Pimp on a license plate because it's like lewd or lascivious or something like that. So I'm like, all right, all right, I'll maybe I'll put RIP Chad and I'm thinking I'm going to be driving around LA with RIP Chad. People are going to think I'm like mourning like my, you know, like my uncle or something. Like no one really knows who Chad is. Like in Houston, I feel like people would be like, Oh, Chad, like Chad Butler, uh, Pimp C's, you know, legal name. But, um, and maybe not even in Houston too. Maybe I'm overestimating how much people care about Pimp C. But, uh, then I was like, Oh, RIP Chad. And I was like, wait, what if I just put UGK? Well, I was, gonna put, I was like, Oh, what, if I, what about UGK for life? Like UGK, the number four and then LYF or something. And I was like, wait, what if I just put UGK? I was like, no, well, somebody's got to have UGK on license plates already. But no, it was it was available because, you know, California, they don't appreciate they don't appreciate uh, just amazing, amazing artistry of UGK. And just by the way, go back and really listen to their first few albums. Um, you know, Rod and Dirty is like a, a like a legitimate classic, like a, a hit, not just a Southern classic, like a hip hop classic. Um, anyway, so, uh, you know, in that book, it had a lot of stories about um, about about uh, about um, Jay Prince. And just these these sort of kind of stories that probably hadn't been told before. So I was like, oh, wow, that's really interesting. So that's 2016. And in 2016, Bob Arum 
also he went on the show highly questionable with Bamani Jones and Dan Lebertard, and he tells the story of basically you know Jay Prince used to manage Floyd Mayweather, and then let's say Floyd Mayweather had a fight in June, and Jay Prince's contract let's say Jay Prince's contract for managing Floyd Mayweather was up in June. Jay, uh, Floyd Mayweather basically moved the flight a fight let's say to July or something so that he wouldn't have to pay Jay Prince. And Jay Prince wanted his money. So Floyd, went, I mean, this is a story that's been, that Bob Arum told, so I'm not snitching on anyone. Um, but, you know, Floyd Mayweather goes to Bob Arum and says, hey, Jay Prince wants his money. And Bob Arum, according to the story that Bob Arum told, says, okay, I'll, just, I'll give him a letter, of cre- a letter of credit. And Floyd says, Jay Prince don't do no letters of credit. And, you know, Bob Arum tells a story that some people, and he says, with or without the knowledge of uh, Jay Prince, come to, you know, Floyd's studio and, you know, beat people up and there's blood in the carpets and all this stuff. Um, also, just uh, Jay Prince is. The, I mean, the UGK's discography really go back. Uh, Ryan Dirty's fire, Two Hearts to Swallow's fire, super tight. But especially Ryan Dirty and Dirty Money, those those are amazing. Um, anyway, you know, just the idea that, and the funny thing was Bob Arum, even in telling the story, would not speak poorly about Jay Prince. He said, "Hey, I've done business with him. He's a great guy. This and that." Like he wouldn't speak poorly about this man. So it just again shows you that level of respect that's commanded. And so I'm just like, how does this dude just you know, this guy's <laughs> very intriguing. And, you know, as a writer, you love characters, you love interesting stories, um, whether to, to be inspired by it, to even adapt to your, you know, to, to, to a project like a TV show or a movie or something. I mean, you've obviously seen what 50 Cent has done with stories of like, like BMF. Um, yeah. So anyway, you know, and then also there's this video that goes viral in 2016. Also, uh, I think Jay Prince Jr. throws this birthday bash and Jay Prince is coming out on the rooftop and he wait like somebody's walking behind him with a shotgun, a, a towel over a shotgun. And Jay Prince waves the dude off, just kind of like, yo, like fall back. And he waves him off just so casually, uh, you know, like, like you're like, uh, imagine a bat and people would say this on, on Twitter. So I'm not, it's not original, but people, you know, imagine a basketball player waving somebody off for like ISO. Like that's how he waves, you know, or like, a, you know, wa- that's how he waved off this goon basically, or henchman or whatever, um, security person who, who was walking behind him with a shotgun, like, yo, you know, just fall back. And so again, I feel like, you know, every couple of years, it seems like Jay Prince would go viral on Twitter with people being like, oh, who is this dude? And you know, he's connected to all these people in, in music. And he's, he's, he's this legend that people look up to and fear and respect. And then, um, yeah, like, you know, the, he, you know, there are these threads that'll go viral and, you know, people talking about him and stuff. And so I met him first, first met him at uh, Drake's birthday party in 2016. And then just even, even around that time too, like, um, I guess I didn't really see like the the thing that really stuck with me is that in summer the summer sixteen tour when they stopped in Houston, I had you know backstage or whatever uh, access and I saw Jay Prince like just like walking and he'd walk through you know these you know if you ever been backstage at like a arena like a Toyota Center or something like that you know there are these hallways and all these tunnels and stuff almost and he'd be walking through and have like forty people behind him. And like, like, you know, if you think about mob ties, like the, the idea of a mob, I think mob ties is junior, is Jay Prince Jr.'s entity. But, you know, if you think about the idea of a mob, it's literally like a mob of people walking behind him. And they would all have, they were all like 50 years old, you know, his age, like 50, you know, 40 something, you know, this is 2016. So 40 something, 50 something um, with, with rap a lot chains. And I remember looking at him like, yo, like imagine if, let's say all, let's say each of those chains costs I was like, I guess Jay Prince right now, as I'm recording this, is 58. So if this is summer 16, um, I, I can't do basic math. Um, yeah, like 52. So imagine people, you know, 50 year old, you know, uncles basically, and they've got these rap a lot chains walking in a deep mob behind them. I remember being like, yo, there's 40 people here. Each of them has a rap a lot chain. Let's say each of these chains is worth 5,000. 
that's two hundred thousand dollars just in rap a lot chains. Like that's you know, and like now I look back and it's like it's two hundred thousand really that much. Like it is a lot of money for anybody, but you know, uh, divided by forty people, maybe it's not that much. But it just it just seems so like a real movement, like a real mob, and it really just made me think about all those things that I'd read and seen in you know in Julia's book and just online. It's like yo, this guy really, and you know, there's nothing that he shies away from. If in his own book that he came out with later in twenty eighteen, he said that you know he made a million in the streets before he ever made money um you know in music and i remember and even that you know i think that there's a reason that there's this tie between hip-hop and the streets because if you're a lot of white folks just come for money and people don't realize that to be an artist costs a lot of money studio time um the opportunity costs like not working right so just even being in the studio means you're not doing a nine to five and if you think about you know the best example probably is when young thug free you know when, when, when young thug and you know hopefully his case gets resolved in a positive way for him but when young thug was talking about how he would pay little baby to stay out the streets. Like that's our version of having a rich uncle basically. Or not, I don't want to say our, but like that's for a lot of black people, the, the version of having a, a rich uncle. So there's a reason why you see the streets and music sometimes for a lot. I mean, lots of reasons, right? But one of those reasons is because you need some sort of support. You know, the art, the, 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 the relationship between art and capital is, you know, is very deep anyway. So, you know, just seeing him in the, you know, rocking around just mobbing in this manner backstage was just like wow like this is you know i remember somebody once said rap a lot is like if bmf never got indicted and then it made me be like wow that, that might be kind of true like the, these people who are 50 some years old all rap a lot chains all serious looking dudes like you know not to say that you should stereotype people based on how they look but they, they weren't really not they were not that they were unfriendly to me but they weren't the most approachable people, uh, approachable looking people, although they are, they are very respectful and, and, you know, I'm not, I haven't never had any issues uh, with them, but, um, so I think that left a big impression of seeing him, you know, this mob of people, like a family, like just really deep, um, at, at the, at the summer 16 tour. Um, and then the next thing I remember also was, uh, another interaction that left an impression. I remember, uh, so 2016 Drake had done this Halloween party, this private Halloween party. Um, and, Jazz Prince's birthday is also around is like Halloween. It's Halloween, or if it's if it's not Halloween, it's like around Halloween. I'm pretty sure it is Halloween though. And so Jazz had this um was hosting this party also in L.A. And after and like you know Baby J and just you know different like little his little brother Baby J was um was also I guess uh, I guess Jazz's birthday is yeah I guess I mean first of all R.I.P. Takeoff. So yeah, it was, I mean you know it was it's around Halloween, if not exactly Halloween. Um. Anyway, so yeah, it's it's um, I guess Jay Prince's birthday is also <laughs> Halloween. Um, but anyway, so we um, I think okay, I guess Jazz is like October thirtieth, and then Jay Prince is October thirty first. Um, not to dox where it's like it's public. Um, but anyway, so you know, I I gone to the thing that Jazz was hosting, and then I was driven to Drake's party, and Baby J and some other people were with me. And we get there, and like some of these parties, even if you're on the list, even if you're supposed to be there, it can be a hassle sometimes getting in. And I remember they were kind of giving Baby J a hard time at the door. And, you know, I don't know if it was Drake himself who came out. I can't remember because it was obviously a while ago. So I can't remember if it was Drake himself who came out. But it was one of those things where either Drake himself was like, nah, like he's like he's good. Or it was, um, you know, Drake basically told somebody like, yo, like these people, like you can't, like whoever is, whoever, you know, whoever is with Baby J, like Baby J and whoever he's with, they're good. Like don't like almost like being insulted that they were made to wait for even a moment at one of his parties. So just remind, you know, again, like the, the kind of power that Prince last name carries and, you know, Drake's obviously rapped about it on different songs, you know, Prince, I carry that last name, that name stays on me like brand names, or whatever. I think in whatever song that was, I think war. Um, 
and even just like money in the grave where he talks about you know where's a junior jazzy baby jay all that stuff so anyway like you know just seeing like the power like the respect that intergenerationally um this camera is like sort of like the, the, the respect intergenerationally that that name carries um so yeah i think that um you know that was just all, all these moments right um and then in 2018, I brought um, Jay Prince to come speak at Harvard. You know, he was doing the tour with his book, The Art and Science of Respect. And, you know, I reached out through Julia and, you know, we, we arranged for him to come speak at Harvard around the same, because Drake was going to, Drake's, uh, whatever the, the Scorpion tour, the Migos was called. I think, oh, Aubrey and the Three Migos, RIP Takeoff again, um, tour was stopping in Boston. I was like, oh, hey, like, we'll just, you know, two birds, one stone, you'll be in Boston, whatever. And that also happened to be when, <laughs> when, uh, Meek and Drake squashed the beef. And I remember actually I was I was at that show because it was around the same time and I remember backstage before the show, I think it was like Jazz or June. I think it was either Jazz or Junior. I can't remember, but it was like, oh, Meek's here. And I thought, oh, Meek's like, that's kind of, you know, is Meek here support? Is Meek, is Meek gonna, you know, whatever. And it turned out Meek was actually coming out, you know, um, and then he played ping pong after. Um, anyway, so that, um, you know, I brought him to speak at Harvard. That was really dope. I think that meant a lot to him and meant a lot to the students at Harvard. Yeah, I spoke to the Harvard Black Men's Forum and you know, it was a really, cause so I've, you know, been some of those events in college that can kind of end up being falling flat, but people really, really showed out, really came, uh, and you know, because, you know, Jay Prince, obviously his book, his story is pretty legendary. And then I also remember, we had, you know, he, in L, in, in, I want to say what, it was, uh, Miami, Drake had this private dinner at Prime 112, and I got to, got to, got, I got to talk to, uh, you know, really chat with Junior there, uh, not Junior, but, uh, but, uh, Jay Prince there. Um, but yeah, I think that just, you know, his story is really interesting. Just to give context for the inter- for this for this podcast about some of the questions that I'm asking. Um, this was around the time that oh yeah, so Jay Prince has kind of gone viral again because <laughs> coinciding with his book, there's a whole idea that that he had told Drake don't respond to this push of, you know, story of of adding on. And so, you know, one of the questions I ask is, do you think beef can go too far? Or basically is everything not that beef can go too far, because obviously it can, but is there uh is this such thing as too far when it comes to a diss song? Because people had said, you know, the whole idea of Pusha T rapping about uh, OVO 40s MS and just, you know, oh, like, I think, yeah, muscle sclerosis um, and just the whole, you know, sick, 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 tick, tick, tick line. That, like, that was too far. I think Drake definitely felt that was that was too far. He didn't want to rap anymore. He wanted, you know, it wasn't about music anymore at that point. So I asked him that question. Also, another interesting thing is I remember asking, uh, it seems I asked him about like kind of the inter- intertwining between music and the streets because, you know, he has talked about how, you know, he tried. He, someone had reached out to him, or kind of kind of mediator squash the Suge and Puffy beef, and he said it was it was just too far gone. And then he he, he said he wanted to sign Pac, but um, Suge got to him first. And he's also told the story. Jay Prince has told the story of like being in L.A. around the time that, like, right before, like when 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 Puff when when Diddy and um Big were out there and hearing basically leaving leaving town. Like, I think it was on a bus. Jay Prince was leaving town, and he heard like you know that basically that. Diddy and, and and Biggie were not welcome there in LA, and then he turned around to go tell tell Biggie this. I think I'm telling the story correctly, but I, I, I think he turned around. But either way, he he went. He told Biggie like, "Yo, y'all, basically, because Jay Prince is always you know, he comes from the streets. He's always kind of had his ears to the streets, and he kind of understands street things. And so, um, you know, telling the, those stories. And so, you know, talking about how music and the streets are intertwined. And it's funny because I, I think that the thing that opened my eyes to music and the streets being intertwined, I always think of it as in 2018, a friend of mine named Ghost and this rap artist Kenny Lou got killed in Houston. And it was like, you know, it was like a targeted killing. Um, and like, I think, well, you know, two shoes, like one came up on either side of the car and it was, you know, whatever. And so that was the kind of thing that made me be like, oh, wow, the, the, this rap in the streets 
they're they're very intertwined. And so for me asking him this question, this interview was on October seventeenth, twenty twenty eighteen. And I looked it back up. I guess like uh Yellow Beezy got his car got shot up October fifteenth, around that time, October fifteenth, twenty eighteen. And then, you know, it's just interesting to see now. I think that there, no one doubts the ties between rap and the streets, you know, seeing things like Dolph uh getting killed, like Mo three getting killed. And I'm I'm gonna exclude stuff that's a bit more fluky like um trouble or even King of Von to a degree, because that's a little bit more fluky. But as far as like targeted killings where somebody's getting stalked and hunted down, there's money on somebody's head and all that stuff. We've seen a few of those um, out. If you know, Jada Youngin, that's the other one I'm forgetting. Where, where, it's, where it's, you know, it's not like, because there's a thing where it's like, okay, there's, I mean, like a takeoff situation, which is sad in and of itself, but it's like people are arguing, somebody starts shooting that, you know, or a chain, you know, a robbery gone wrong. But these things, um, Jada Youngin, Mo3, um, what's it called? Um, Dolph, where it's targeted, right? Like that's when it's really about street issues, um, versus something that's also tragic, but like like PNB Rock or something, or even XXX Tentacion. But those are more kind of fluky, you know, robbery gone wrong type of things. And so it is interesting that even in 2018, you know, that that question, you know, that question was on my mind because now, I mean, we see just just how deep the streets and hip hop are. Um, you know, even stuff with like, and I, I love these artists like Vaughn. I mean, well, obviously Vaughn, but Dirk, um, ESTG, uh, 42 Doug, where people around them have gotten either killed or, I mean, a lot of people around Dirk gotten killed or people around them getting incarcerated or them, them themselves being, you know, uh, locked up like, like Doug. Um, and so, yeah, I think, it, you know, there's all sorts of, you know, it's really interesting. But anyway, this is a, just over here rambling, but, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy this. It's a dope conversation. The audio is not as good as I'd like it to be, but, you know, Jay Prince is a legend. Hopefully. Uh, we'll try to get him on this iteration of the podcast or not this iteration but this this podcast itself but yeah so here here is jay prince uh you know you could hope if this was too long you could skip through it but here, here if this intro is too long you can skip through it but here here's uh, jay prince all right hello hello mic check one two test the mic one two all right so i'm here with the legendary jay prince Wanna check in real quick? Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. So this is the Zero Cloud podcast, and uh, I'm, I'm I can't believe it. You know, stand. I've obviously met this man a few times, but to be you know to be able to have him on the show is huge. Um, so what brings you to LA? Oh man, just uh, promoting the book. Uh, Want to see this concert with Drake? You know, just having a, a good time. Yeah, so uh, the book is The Art and Science of Respect. It's been killing the charts. It's been going crazy. So I just want to talk about a few things. Um, so, you know, most people are going to know your story from the book. Uh, you, you came and spoke to Harvard recently. How was that? Oh, man, I had a ball out there in Harvard, man. It was a lot of uh, smart individuals that really dug into my mind and made me uh, communicate on a different level. Thank you. I was happy uh, to be able to help set that up with Julian. The funny thing is, I, I was worried because I thought, you know, I'm 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 once Harvard, I'm from Houston, but I thought maybe they won't know who's in their presence. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you've been in the shadows for a long time. It's just kind of recently that you've you've come out and you know been able to share your gems with the world. Right. But they they asked some really good questions. Yeah, they did. Um, and so today, you know, funny that we were talking to t- today because. Um, Pusha T was on Joe Budden's podcast talking about there's no rules on hip hop and you know mm-hmm. this and that and how he got the information. I mean, do you think you know just having been in the middle of a lot of rap beef, are there rules on hip hop? Are there rules in, in rap beef? Yeah, I mean, it, here's the thing. You know, one can uh, say there's no rules on the street and run the red light if they just choose to, 
but it's consequences after you run that red light. So you can say there's no rules where hip hop concerned, but there's consequences, you know what I mean, when you cross the different lines where different subject matters are concerned. So, you know, one day you may say there's no rules, and then another day when you, somebody change your mind that this is some rules you think differently. Right. And so one thing, there's been some you know stuff going on in Dallas. I remember I went to a couple of Drake shows. I met Yellow Beezy. He was, uh, you know, the... He was uh, shot up recently, and you know, God bless him, and he he survived. But you know, you you've been somebody who's been able to stop a lot of violence. You know, who's been able to stop a lot of beefs. How's that? You know, how did you find yourself in that position? Well, I think um, you know, throughout my journey, uh, I uh, given a lot of respect to people, and you know, in return, I earn a lot of respect from people. And then there's been situations where I had to demand my respect from people. And, uh, you know, from people observing, you know, you know, either or all above, uh, put me in a light and in a position where, you know, I'm given respect. And when I speak, you know, people listen to me because they can identify with me in, in all of those areas. And so, in reading the book, I was just listening to, you know, I, I keep it in the rotation. Uh, I was listening to the chapter you said Car Freak was the first nationwide uh, <laughs> single. So, what, you know, one thing I've been talking to people about is like the highest highs and, the, you know, the lows, right? A lot of the artistic journey, the creative journey, the entrepreneur's journey is filled with highs and lows. So, what, what was kind of some of the, the, the lowest point for you when you were, you know, doing this uh, on this journey? Uh, I think the, some of the lowest points was the beginning. You know, because in my mind, I, I thought that, you know, within a year or two period of time, you know, I would have all of this money, uh, you know, things would pop off, you know, in the entertainment industry for me. And seven years later, you know, it, it is when I made my first profit. Wow. So, you know, wow. to make a sacrifice that long, you know what I mean, when you, your mindset is thinking two years, yeah, that was... Uh, that was tough. Here's that quote they said: "Overnight success takes ten years." So. Yeah. And so you, uh, you met Tupac a few times, right? What was that like? Oh yeah, yeah. Pac. Uh, the last time I, I met Pac was in L.A., and uh, he wanted me to go out and party <laughs> with him at night, you know, because you know they was having fun. But my father had just came in from off vacation, and uh, you know I wanted to get back to Houston, so. I didn't have opportunity to spend that last moment with him. It was like a week or so later when it happened to him. Wow. And then, I mean, you thought about bailing him out, right? Instead of, uh, instead of should. Yeah, yeah. I was like a week or so away from uh, going up there to try and strike a deal with Pop. Yeah, so I see. should beat me to the... That's one thing. The funny thing is, I remember a lot of people say, you know, oh, when people say, who is Jay Prince? Like, oh, he's like, you know... The Suge Knight of the South, but it's really Suge Knight is the J Prince of the, you know. It seems like there's a lot of ties between rap a lot and, um, you know, uh, Death Row. It seems right. There's uh, the Smile song, but even it seems like there was a, uh, you know, you you've had, you know, you've met Suge and you kind of taught mentored him a little bit, right? Yeah, no, I definitely uh, met him before. wasn't a whole lot of mentoring going <laughs> well, on, and, right. and you know, he and I are, are like apples and oranges. Right, I understand that, and so you know you talk about in your book how you you translated from the streets 
to music and you know you made your first million in the streets before you even made you know made it in music so how how was it i mean the street money is fast and it's tax free so how was it to to walk away from that you talk about the closet so you know yeah i mean you you have to uh, uh have a bigger uh picture in mind you know what i mean in mind you know uh was wrapped around longevity so you know what i mean anybody want fast money and the things that go along with fast money you're embracing a situation where you can have fun for uh, a year two three possibly and then you know the, the other flip side of that is you know a bunch of time or possibly losing your life right so you know anybody that has some sense you know understand that the two is not on a level playing field. Right, and it's funny, speaking of that, we're in L.A., and I remember in the book you talk about, you know, Maxine Waters and how, you know, there's a time the Alphabet Boys were trying to, you know, just bring you down. And, you know, how did you deal with that, you know, like going, because, I mean, a lot of times they could take a black man down without without even any evidence, without proof, and so yeah. how did you deal with that and the stress of that? You know, you talk about, you, you know, uh, crooked officers trying to put you in a yeah. dark spot and, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Oh, yeah, no, that was... Uh you know, a, a, a real life challenging moment. You know, it's a it's a, a, a hell of a thing to see your name, the United States of America versus you, you know what I mean, in the scope of that. But I was able to deal with that, uh, first of all, well, my, by my faith, you know what I mean? My faith allowed me to not be in bondage with fear in the midst of all that is taking place. So, uh, you know, I, I, I always, you know, make a statement of God be for you, the world could be against you. And he was the only one that was able to bring me out of that. What's been the most fun you've had on this book tour? You know, you've gone to a lot of cities, talked to a lot of people. <laughs> oh, man, the most fun I have is, is, you know, enlightening and inspiring, you know, my brothers who, who come up to me and say, man, I don't even read, but I'm going to read this story. Know what yeah. I, mean? so I saw Black Youngster. <laughs> he, yeah. he said something, something like that almost. Yeah. Um, and so you're you gonna catch the Drake show tonight? Yeah. Yeah. So what's your relationship like? You know, I've, I've been around you guys a couple times, and it seems very almost like, you know, father son, big brother, little brother type of thing. So how, how you know you've guided him and advised him and steered him? How's that been? Yeah. I mean, it's been it's been a beautiful journey. You know, it's a mutual respect that we have for one another. You know, he listened to me. I listened to him. And uh, we've been able to uh, accomplish some great things together. You think we'll ever hear that on release this track? Nah. <laughs> it was too, too vicious. Nah, we won't do that. So, um, another thing, you know, being in Houston, I've been around, you know, your kids, uh, Baby James here, uh, shout out him. And, you know, you got, it seems like each of your kids is taking on their own, you know, kind of path and, you know, doing their own thing. And that's what family's all about. So, how's that as a father to kind of see? You know how each of your kids have, you know, jazz obviously with, with Drake and, you know, Junior's got his thing going and, you know, there's a new wave with, you know, YBN and this and that. So, how, how's that, you know, how's that feel to see your kids take on your, your empire like that? That's a beautiful thing to uh, observe them uh, evolve, you know, in their, all, in their own uh, uniqueness. So, I'm excited about seeing uh, how that's going, how that, how that flower going to totally bloom. Yeah, it's like an episode of Empire. Yeah. Um, so what's next for you, do you think? Uh, you know, um, what's next, uh, you know, for Rap-A-Lot? Oh, you? well, what's next on the agenda is, uh, 
uh, a movie or a documentary, you know what I mean, maybe some episodes or something. You know, that's, uh, I like to accomplish that and, and taste some of the movie money. <laughs> right, right. That's a, you, got, you got you got land too, right? You got you, know, you got investments and oh, yeah. island. Yeah, no, I, I definitely uh, uh, am invested in quite a quite a bit of land, you know. Well, so how do you you know you tell these young rappers? I, I read a story recently, the little baby who's you know to use your word buzzing, you know mm-hmm. buzzing very hard. Um, you know he buys a new outfit, you know in every uh, you know in every in, on every tour stop he has like suitcases. And how do you you know? Instilling these young rappers, you know, don't you know, buy some jewelry if you want, but buy some land too. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you instill that? In them? Yeah, well, you have to first understand that a fool and his money assume the part. <laughs> you know what I mean? And 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 from there, you, I would advise them to prioritize. You know, their spending and God not making any more land. So, land is a good thing to uh, invest in. You know, why would you? You know, have cars and all this jewelry. And you know, all they're making a new things. model of the car next year. Yeah, and, and don't even have a home. Don't even have something that you can call yours where you can lay your head. Right, right. So they call that ass backwards. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, so what are you listening to right now? Oh, I'm still I'm listening to the Migos. You know, I, I think they're one of the best groups that I ever heard, you know, as far as the group is concerned. Uh, I'm definitely listening to Drake and, and the YBN, you know what I mean? Almighty J and Corday and, and Mir. Right, you got, and they're, they got, they're, they're kind of, got situational rap a lot, right? They're, uh, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, management or whatever, but they're kind of, uh, yeah, no, you know, rap a lot, you know, the new way, we partners right. with them. You know, right. it's not management. We we partners on masters and oh wow, that's that's, 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 that's that's amazing. Yeah, that's my own and something. How do you you know? There's been you know recently Marley G. You know passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, God bless you know him and his family. Yeah. But how do you you know? Rap music in the streets are so you know intertwined that you know sometimes you know you look at even you know Biggie, Tupac, these different things. How do you keep? Things from rising to that level, and then how do you keep people, you know, maybe move out of your city, you know, maybe move to a different side of the city? How do you keep, you know, people want to be real, but people also, you know, need to live long enough to, to re- reap the benefit of their. Yeah, you, uh, you really have to uh, move with structure, you know what I mean? Definitely artists that, you know, make it and become successful on their way. It's, it's uh, you, you no longer can move the way you used to move. You have to move with structure. Uh, protection and with a mindset that when I leave home today, my goal is to make it home, you know, safely to my family. And you have to be conscious of this because, you know, it's going to always be invitations and different things that's given to you, you know, in clubs and when you're around a lot of people that's drinking and drugging. And you have to uh, be able to think and have people around you that can think to not embrace you know, foolish invitations. Yeah, I mean, so that's funny. So you seem like such a calm and cool and collected man. What, you know, when, when was the time that you were fearful? You know, you were, you know, there are times I'm in Houston, I, you know, I started seeing, you know, one person, you know, throw a punch and, you know, I know that, you know, shots might come, come any second after that. But you, you know, you're such a calm and collected person, but I'm sure you've been in some situations. So, you know, do, were you fearful or, you know, how does that, you know, how do you feel? Well, you know, I was 
more prepared. You know what I mean? I understood if I went to those different places, then I prepared myself before I got there. I had a plan in case this happened, in case this took place. You know, I was I was in a chess state of mind when I went, you know, beyond danger. You know, because you have to admit and understand that when you go into places where drinking and all of this is going on, you know, the possibilities are high. When you go to strip clubs, you have to face reality and understand that everybody that's committing crime in the city, this is where they meet up. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's the watering hole. Yeah. It's the, you know what I mean? It's the, so it's the town know, square. Yeah, if you know that's where you're going, prepare yourself or don't go. That's wise, wise words. Um, so, who you know? Who do you uh, see kind of as the the next Jay Prince, or who you know? Do you see somebody like you know? I've been, you know, I've been on a couple of dates of uh, the, the the Drake Amigos tour, and you know, I've been reading stuff. You know, like Coach K and uh, P, they seem to be really doing their thing in Atlanta. Have a, have an operation there. Um, you know, and if somebody wants to become the next Jay Prince, what do they need to do? You have to be a great follower. You know, in order to become a great leader, you have to be a great follower. So it's a matter of one putting in the time to, you know, to learn and, and, you know, understand the power of learning because you can't lead if you don't know nothing. And when, back to the, um, I think, you know, the, the 90s, whenever this stuff was going on with the, you know, them trying to do all, you know, the, the FBI and all these people trying to, you know, bring you down, you know, they started arresting some people around you and trying and giving them time, even setting them up. And, you know, how, how are you, you know, were you ever fearful that somebody might, you know, try and, you know, because of they're in a bad situation, try and, you know, because they want, you know, they're, the, the, the feds, they wanted you. Yeah. And so to save themselves, try and, you know, say that you did something maybe you didn't do or try and, you know, mm-hmm. were you ever fearful of that? And how did you, you know... Well, that actually happened. You know, that happened. But the thing is, when you know that you are living right, you're doing right, then, you know, fear, it didn't reside in me, you know what I mean? Because I understood what I was doing every day, Right. you know what I mean? So the lie that they was trying to tell and fix and whatnot, where I was concerned, you know, my trust was in God that he wouldn't allow that to, you know what I mean, uh, no weapon form against me to prosper. Right. So, you know, I was at peace with that. Wow, wow. And so, uh, what was it like, you know, it's funny that, you know, come full circle, I, I was, um, so we met, the first time we met, it was at, I think, Engine Room a couple years ago, Drake was on the Summer 16 tour on uh, Houston Appreciation Weekend, and we, we spoke, you connected me with this guy, Ant, who I, I saw in your book, actually, you know, I ended up doing some time, behind, you know, behind the stuff that they were trying, trying to get you involved in, so, and you, we were talking about your book at the time, and I, I remember, so I read Julia Beverly's Pimp C book, and I love the book, but my favorite parts were about you. And I was like, you know, when you say you're going to do a book, you know, we talked and I try to, you know, toss out some ideas, and I, I love the title you came up with. So it's great that it's come full circle. What took, you know, that, that was two, two and a half years ago. So what, you know, what took, what, what was, you know, why now? Why was it now to, to write the book? Well, I mean, I believe that, that readers are leaders, and, you know, I wanted to lead by example by, uh, you know, telling my story, writing this book to uh, ignite, you know what I mean, a movement, everybody that ever followed me, know of me, and, you know, want to embrace my story to give them something to work with, you know what I mean? 
So now you're in boxing a lot, right? You're pretty heavily in boxing. Would you ever consider getting an MMA as well? It seems like there's a lot of eyeballs on that. You know, Conor McGregor and Khabib just uh, broke the internet. Yeah. No, uh, I don't have an interest in that right now. And it's simply because this the, the sport is kind of monopolized by the promoters. Right now, they they keeping the buck over the money. Right, right. So, what do you see? I mean, you seem like a guy who follows the money. So, I remember you said something at some point, like the music business, but the money's not there like it used to be. And then, you know, you're doing boxing now, and you're, you're doing real estate. What do you think? You know, you have, you know, do you think about, you know, like you know, art, artificial intelligence, cryptocurrency, you know, just like where where the future's gonna be, and, and you know, try to get get involved and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, I heard about a lot of those things, but I'm not one that wanna uh, try. A lot of that stuff, I stick with. I stick with what worked. You know what I mean. Uh, if it ain't broke, I don't fix it. So you know, if uh, you know somebody that I trust, you know, introduced me to something that, you know what I mean, that really is making paper, I might place a bet based on my trust with him. Right, I, I feel that. Yeah, we need a book of uh, the, the Jay Prince isms. I, I remember I was in some of your interviews, and you know, I was born at light, at night, but not last night. Where, yeah. where does all this stuff come from? Where your mother, your father, you know, where? Uh, uh, I guess your, you know your mother. Like, where where does all these uh, these sayings, these uh, jewels? Well, you know, I, I always pick up uh, different uh, quotes that mean something to me. So you know, it's over the years, it's just a lot of them that's implanted in me because I. When I heard them, I kept them and put them in a place. I'm like, okay, that means something. I got a, you know, we about to wrap up in a few minutes. Uh, I think 11:30. But um, you know, would you would you rather be feared or loved? Because it seems like I remember, you know, growing up in Houston. You know, I grew up in a Leaf. I didn't grow up in a Third Ward. But you know, I, I would hear, you know, stories. You know, it's like like the, I get a boogeyman. You know, like people don't want to cross you. And so there's there's an element of fear. There's an element of love. And obviously, between that, there resides respect. But you know, mm-hmm. between fear and love, what do you uh? What would you choose? Yeah, definitely love. You know, I think love is stronger than all, but love and respect, uh, I like them over fear. I feel that. And so the respect that you've built, I mean, not a lot of people, I remember, you know, a couple years ago, Steve Francis got his chain snatched. And you kind of just said, you know, Steve Francis is a friend of mine. And, you know, how, I mean, how many hours later was the chain back in your hand? It didn't take long. It didn't take long. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, yeah, I uh, I meant that. You know, he's a friend, and I was I was glad uh, the guys, you know, respected that he was a friend, and you know, it's like a hundred, what, hundred thousand dollar, eighty seven thousand dollar chain. Oh wow! I didn't even know it was it was that. Uh, well, that's good. Yeah. Um. Well. What else? What's up? I mean, what's up? What's, what's anything you want to promote or talk about? Obviously, the book. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely the book. We, we've definitely been talking about that. But, you know, after that, I'm, like, really focused on the movie side of things. Right. You know, I, I, I think it's going to be a... a a great movie. It's gonna be amazing. Do you have a director in mind, or do you have your know, movies that you've kind of seen that you, you know, The Godfather, Goodfellas, the NWA movie, you yeah. know, that you've seen that you kind of envision it like? Yeah, no, I love the, uh, the the Godfather. I love Scarface. You know, I I was once him, and I evolved into the Godfather. So. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. From Tony Montana <laughs> yeah. to Michael Corleone yeah. or Vito Corleone, even. Right. Yeah, no, I like that. Um, well, yeah, I'm sure whatever you know, whatever you touch seems to turn to gold. Whatever jazz touches, you know, your whole family it seems uh, what you touch turns to gold. So I'm sure the movie will be 
amazing. And the funny thing about the movie is you can, I mean, it could be, it could be five movies. You know, what I mean, there's the, mm-hmm. there's the, there's the rap a lot kind of yeah. early, you know, with the, you know, starting rap a lot. Right. You know, there's the kind of elder statesman era. There's the Drake. You know, so I mean, it could be a whole mini series. Yeah, a lot know? of episodes. A lot you know? of episodes. Yeah. So, so. I'm, I'm kind of. When I think about it, it's going to be hard to tell the movie in three hours, two hours. Yeah, you have to take a, you have to take a bit of it, or you know, make it, you know, almost like a real, you know, power but real, you know, empire yeah. but real, you know, and then, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, you know, hopefully I can help write an episode, you know, it's like I'll, I'll you know, I've written more comedy, blackish, and essential and stuff, but you know, we'll, uh, you know. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, that's what you do, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's how. That's actually how I met. So I met Julia. I read her book, and I was like, the 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 the, the Pimp C book. And you know, there were all these nuggets I had no idea about Pimp C, and it really made me yeah. die. You know, I went back and listened to, um, you know, Ryan Dirty. I listened to Ryan Dirty, but I went back and listened to the, you know, show me something good. All you know, all the the whole UGK discography. Right. And uh, you know, I read the chapters about you know you, and I was like, oh, this has to be a book. This has to be a movie. And so that's kind of how we linked up a couple years ago. Right. Um, but you know, I did. I developed a thing with Kevin Durant for HBO, and then mm-hmm. another thing with, with Wayne Barrow and okay. uh, Sasha Jenkins at Mass Appeal, a TV show based on Biggie Smalls, his childhood and his life. Right. But neither of those, you know, they they, they developed a whole bunch of things, and then, you know, they they pick one, and you know, so. But yeah, so it's a uh, it's a beautiful thing, and you know, it's 80 degrees in Los Angeles, hmm. and uh, you know, we're here with the Godfather, the King himself. And oh, one last thing before you right before we go, um, you rap a little bit. So I, <laughs> <laughs> you got a big smile. Oh, right man. So I used to listen to you know, uh, damn it feels good to be a gangster. You know I, I had I was I knew I know all the verses you know, and I I just found out maybe a couple months ago that you you know, damn it feels good to be a gangster. Yeah. You know, getting voted into the White House. So, yeah. so you rap a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I used to spit a little bit. <laughs> you, you decided no, no more. No, it ain't, it ain't for me. No, I feel you. Rather, yeah. rather write the checks. I like listening to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, nah, thank you, thank you for taking the time, man. I'll see. I, mean, I might see you tonight at the show. Okay. Um, when you know, see you around Houston, and I look forward to watching the movie on the big screen. Hey, man, appreciate the time, bro. Uh, for sure. Oh, All good. Right, That's the Zero Cloud episode four or five with the the the, the Godfather himself. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right, so that was Jay Prince. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you like, subscribe, comment, rate, review. Um, what else? My share, all the engagement uh, verbs. Um, yeah, make sure you do those. And shout out to Jay Prince. Shout out to the whole, you know, Houston mob ties movement.